podcast. Uh, Austin and Alex, appreciate you guys being on here. Hey, you thanks guys. for having thanks, thanks for having us. Uh, so, big, uh, big shout out to uh, good old uh, Part 107. Yeah. Part, part 107. 107. Just hopping right into it. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about part one of sevens today. Um, flying legally, figuring out what uh, what you need to do to be legal. Uh, we're also gonna be talking a little bit about waiver uh, to try to make sure that you're legal legal flying in certain airspaces. Uh, we got a small community showcase to talk about a little about the international air races at Flight Fest West that's coming up here shortly. Uh, we're also gonna do a little bit of talk about some uh, new stuff coming up on the store, which is yeah, fantastic. Right. Uh, so all of you who are watching, uh, thanks for watching and listening uh, to the podcast. Appreciate you guys having you guys on here. Uh, so yeah, so we'll roll right into it. Uh, part one oh seven. Uh, what what do we got going on about that? Huh? What what well, is should, a part one hundred seven? Well, actually, we should probably back up a little bit uh, from part one hundred seven. And I, th- I think that um, you know, something that's kind of uh become you know kind of a, a thing in our in our hobby and in our industry, um, is that there's some different hoops you have to jump through that you didn't have to jump through before in order right. to fly and in order to be legal uh, in order to operate safely. Um, you know, f- for people that have been in the hobby a long time or even around it for a little while, you've probably heard of an organization called the AMA. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Uh, the AMA is who, you know, has governed, you know, just kind of self-regulated the model hobby industry for a really, really long time. Right. Um, and just kind of recently, um, just kind of due, due to the explosion of the popularity of the um, the radio control flight hobby, especially with the, um, uh, you know, the aerial photography capable drones that have been coming on the market and that sort of thing, just things have just exploded. And so, um, you know, this hobby has been self-regulated for a long time and it's gone really well. Right. Um, you know, AMA has some great safety standards. Um, you know, for people that aren't familiar with the AMA is, it's the Academy of Model Aeronautics. Um, you know, they're, they're basically a nonprofit organization, um, that they kind of represent modelers in the United mm-hmm. States. Um, so that's like, uh, I think they have like 2000 plus, uh, model clubs that is, uh, um, associated with AMA, okay. um, they have uh, you know a few hundred thousand members, that sort of thing. So um, then, then recently, this is just a couple of years ago, and we all kind of were in the thick of this. Yeah, <laughs> um, was uh, the FAA decided that they wanted to have some additional oversight and some additional regulation? Um, yeah, in the and model it, hobby. it really wasn't just for for no reason. Like within the past five to ten years, there has been extreme advancements in like the RC technology, Uh, specifically like with FPV. And a lot of you guys know this stuff already, but Mm. um, within the last five years or five years ago, it was unheard of for somebody to think that they could put a camera on an aircraft and fly at long range from the camera's perspective through a set of video goggles or like a small screen. Um, It was just something that couldn't be done. And then all of a sudden you had companies that were pushing this hobby forward, like Immersion RC, Fat Shark, uh, TBS, um, that were really driving this FPV thing forward. And it's taken the hobby to a whole new level of capabilities, Um, not only FPV, but also long range, a DJI Mavic, which you can get for less than a thousand dollars. You can fly nearly five miles away from yourself. Yeah. That's, an, I mean, that's insane. That's unbelievable. One mile is, is like, I don't even think I've gone that far. Um, so that's the reason why the FAA had to get involved. Um, it's not because they're trying to take control or anything like that. They're just trying to maintain airspace um, because there is a lot of safety stuff involved. And if you do it right, you can still have a lot of fun and you can you can pretty much do everything that you want to do uh, with the RC hobby, but you just do it the right way. Uh, right. Do it the safe way, do it the legal way. And I wouldn't necessarily put all the blame on, on FPV, but I think a big part of what made FPV possible and kind of the explosion of the hobby possible was electric flight. 
you know, as soon as electric, as soon as that technology started to improve with, you know, brushless motors and lipo batteries and, um, it kind of got to the point where we are today. Um, it really made the industry accessible for a lot of people price, price wise and technology wise. Yeah. Cause people have been building model airplanes for almost a hundred years. You know, they, yeah. even before radio, they just do free flight, start up a motor on a gigantic balsa built airplane <laughs> and just let it fly through the air. And I think the reason why the FAA is getting involved now is because of the capabilities of the, t- the technology, both the motors and batteries, but also the FPV. Um, the, what, you're, what you're capable of with these machines is quite remarkable. Um, and it can be used for a lot of good if you do it the right way, but it also Man. can be used improperly uh, and so- unsafely. So this might be a good podcast, you know, to uh, to share with a friend, you know, because a question that we get a lot, you know, especially with our events and with, uh, um, you know, just in general, just general inquiries, you know, people say, you know, I'm thinking about getting, you know, started in the hobby. This is the thing I'm considering buying. Mm-hmm. You know, I've heard stuff about uh, regulation. I've heard stuff about needing to get a license and that sort of thing. It's just um, it's kind of confusing for some people. But. Um, the hubbub has really kind of died down. You right. know, there yep. was a big sure. outrage, you know, when the FAA first got involved, um, you know, just because this is has been an industry that was self-regulated for so long. Um, and the the regulation or the uh, the certification that the FAA has put in place is really pretty straightforward. Um, you know, as far as the AMA goes, and that's something op- that's something that's optional. You know, they do kind of provi- provide that organizational blanket. They do, you know, they approve flying sites. You know, they supply uh, supplemental insurance for people that fly. Right. Um, so that's not something that's mandatory. All that's something that some people benefit from. Also, um, we should also sorry to interrupt. Also, we should mention that AMA is geared more towards hobbyists yes. rather than like commercial operators. Definitely, definitely. Um, so what the AMA offers is a membership, and it has perks like you get a magazine subscription and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But the big thing they offer is insurance. So if you are out, you know, modeling. Uh, as a hobby and you crash your plane into somebody's car or somebody, even worse, an actual person, um, they cover that. And we actually have had cases that we know of where, you know, yeah. somebody got injured on, you know, on enjoying the, the hobby and uh, AMA covered everything. So true. And also, you know, just from an organizational standpoint, if you are looking for, you know, um, a place to get plugged into some other modelers and a place to get plugged into some other people that fly, you know, looking for a local AMA clubs, a great place to start. Yes, that's true. Um, but it's kind of regarding the FAA when the FAA jumped in, you know, um, a lot of people think, you know, well, do, what do I need to register? How do I do it? Um, you know, it's pretty straightforward. You go to the you know FAA's website and essentially it's what you're doing is you're registering yourself as a model pilot. Right. Mm-hmm. And then you get one number that you can put on your aircraft. And that's anything. Essentially, it's over two pounds. Right. Um, and so or no, that's not right. That's uh, two point or 0.55 pounds. Yes. Yes. 0.55 pounds. Um, and so any aircraft that's over 0.55 pounds, um, you know, you throw that that sticker on and then you're safe and you're legal to fly. Mm-hmm. Um, well, not safe. I don't think it really makes you any safer, but <laughs> right. and, um, but it might make, you know, your occasional knucklehead a little bit more likely to fly safer knowing that they have some sort of identification. Correct. Um, mm-hmm. You know, on their aircraft. So anyway, that gets you legal. That's the nuts and bolts of what gets you legal. Just as a hobby pilot that's going out to a park with a aircraft that's 0.55 uh, pounds or greater. Mm-hmm. And again, that's just a hobby registration. This is something separate from the part 107. Right. Yeah. Um, part 107 is when you want to start co- commercially operating uh, a, a UAS. So, right. so basically a drone or an airplane. If you want to use that for any kind of commercial purposes and um, anything from uh, agricultural to, I mean, uh, aerial photography to even Making making YouTube videos that are monetized. If you're yeah. if you're flying something in the air with a camera on it, and you use that to make money in some way, 
it's it's a commercial operation. And it's on the the flip side is that um, you know it's not necessarily just something that you have to do if you want to try to you know make money in the radio control industry. Um, but it's also like a kind of a low hanging certification that some people that have some spare time um, and have some of that you know ability that they've built up just being in the RC hobby. Right. It might be a way to support your RC <laughs> hobby a little bit. I yep. mean, I know that it's an absolutely exploding industry. I mean, we get approached for oh, yeah. like odd jobs that involve RC and drones and that sort of thing all the time. You know, I can't ima- imagine, you know, the opportunity that's out there for it. Um, and just judging by the FAA's numbers, they've had 37,000 people that they've issued um, remote pilot certificates to, mm-hmm. which is crazy. And um, before we get any further, too, I'd like to just like put a little disclaimer here at the beginning. Getting your part 107 and taking the test is not a very big deal. No, like, it's not. It's not it difficult. was not at all. And like beforehand going into it, before I got my 107, there was so much mystery involved around it. You didn't know what to expect. Uh, you've taken, I'm, I'm a terrible test taker. So like thinking about <laughs> taking a test is like a big deal. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. I studied for this test for a handful of hours and I went and I, I passed it. And it's mm-hmm. pretty straightforward. And the nice thing is, is it's all stuff that you're going to be somewhat interested in. If you're interested in flying drones or flying something commercially. Um, It's stuff that you're going to want to know anyways. That's actually a good way to put it is that it was interesting stuff. Yeah. Like it was, uh, I don't feel like it was a complete waste of time. And actually we had, we've had about a dozen people now here at the, um, at flight tests, you know, to pass their 107 test. And it's anyone from people that are flying every day on the show to people that don't fly at all. Right. You know, so we've had our camera operators get certified and just basically anybody that had an interest in doing it, you know, has done it here. Yeah. Um, and so we'll go through some of the resources that just collectively as a team that we found were helpful. Um, so if it's something that you're looking to doing, whether it's to, um, you know, have some side income or if you're, you know, thinking about a career, you know, and doing some aerial photography stuff or whatever it might be, um, you know, it's not that difficult. And yeah. if it's something you're interested in doing. You know, you may as well. It's That's not. Your, it's not really expensive. And it's not very time consuming. T- took me forty five minutes to take the test. So yeah, exactly. Plus a handful of hours of studying, and uh, we'll, we'll mention some resources that we used, like Austin said. But yeah, yeah and they'll be in the links down below as well. So yeah. go check those out. Yeah. The, um. So, so there's uh, thirty seven thousand people that have taken the, or that have been issued, you know, a remote pilot certificate. Something I thought was interesting at the testing center that I took my test at was that the um, the test, whatever you call them, proctor or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, she said that, uh, on the, she's never seen anything like this before. She's been doing FAA testing for really? however many years. Um, she said that, um, one of the, that third, the particular facility that we went to, she said is one of the slower facilities in the area. She said that there's people that have seen the 10 X the volume that they've had, but she said that she's not seen anything like this. So <laughs> I, that, all, that all being said, I mean, the FAA has been actually pretty efficient at getting people through right. this training, getting people mm-hmm. with this certification, um, something that I found was interesting is that the FAA, um, actually, I, I, uh, one of our resources that we mentioned is uh, Remote Pilot 101. It's one of the courses that we would recommend that people, it's one of the cheaper, more comprehensive courses right. out there. But I was watching a new video from the guy that made that course, and he was saying that kind of the intention with the Part 107 test is to use it um, to build other certifications upon. So okay. there's going to be, I guess, more certifications that the FAA is going to be making available um, to remote pilots, kind of like a private pilot, you know, you, that's kind of your first step. You take the private pilot exam, you get right. your private pilot's license, you solo all that fun stuff. And then maybe your next step is your instrument rating, mm-hmm. you know, or your next step is your commercial rating or whatever yeah. the rating might be mm-hmm. that you're going for. My guess is, is there going to be a similar or his guess was that there's going to be a similar structure for remote pilots okay. and that as your skills grow and as your capabilities grow, 
Um, and as your knowledge grows, there's going to be additional certifications to pass. So I think that's kind of interesting in how they're kind of layering the participation right. of, you know, basically UASs into the overall airspace um, is through these different certifications. So hmm. people that are operating on a professional basis, like I do think it's a good base of knowledge for people to have. You yeah, know, and, to that's know, and um, honestly, even if you're not operating on a professional basis, even I mean, if you like making YouTube videos and monetizing your videos, that's one thing. But even just, I mean, if you have a quadcopter that you use to film your family and you just really like flying, it's still cool to have a 107 because typically if you're the guy with the quadcopter, you're the guy, you have a group of friends and they all know you're the quadcopter guy. <laughs> and uh, actually Austin and I have had this happen on a couple different occasions where somebody who works at a family business or something like that, they'll contact us because they know we have quads like, Hey, we have this, uh, this job where we need some aerial shots. Would you be interested? And if you have this 107, $150 test, you can say, yeah, I can do it. And depending on what the job is, you can say, I, I can I can come out and shoot that for a thousand bucks or whatever it is. And boom, you just used your hobby. You just paid off your DJI Mavic right. by taking it out and flying it and getting some cool shots for some people. Um, it unlocks that capability, which is which is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and we've probably, you know, turned down more than we've accepted in that in that way, <laughs> but that's just because we have a lot of other stuff going on. But for a lot of people, like a little gig like that would perfectly suit their schedule. And yes. so and if you have that that's also something that you can advertise to people or not advertise, but you can use to kind of, you know, sell yourself as like, Hey, look, I'm, you know, I'm certified to do this. Yeah. You know, I've, uh, I've taken the time to go through the proper channels to get this certification. So yeah. yeah. In fact, some of those, good. some of those people that have approached me and asked if we'd be av- available to do jobs, um, I would either say I'm not available, uh, but like a couple of them, especially the ones that were my friends, I was like, well, let me know who you're considering because you really want to make sure that they're certified, right. um, that they're doing this legitimately because you can it could say, get your butts out of, you know, harm's way as far yeah. as like getting in trouble with the FAA and stuff like that. That's true. Yes. As far as some resources go that we've studied, uh, something that I was surprised is, uh, three robotics had some awesome, uh, practice tests up. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think they had like 120 questions or something like that. Yep. Um, that and it goes in series of five questions. Mm-hmm. So if you just want to just like write this right now, just kind of judge where you're at and the kind of knowledge you would need. Um, you can just run through that free practice test. That's the links to that will be down, be down below. Uh, we already mentioned the remote uh, pilot one-on-one course. Yep. Um, uh, that's, I think that's probably one of the better courses out there. I haven't tried a ton of the courses, but one thing I noticed was ex- expensive. A yeah. lot of the courses out there were, you know, um, 300 bucks or 350 bucks. And so, um, this course was, I think when we took it, it was a hundred dollars. I think they've bumped it to one fifty. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you, you know, want to guarantee you're going to pass your test, you know, the test already costs one fifty mm-hmm. and another one fifty to make sure you pass. And also something to note about the one Oh seven is you have to take it every two years. Right. And for the remote pilot course, that was, uh, it's a lifetime pass. So they'll constantly update that course. They'll add yep. to it over and over again. Yep. And they'll be there waiting for you in two years when you need to pass it again. And I, I noticed I, I mainly use remotepilot101.com. Um, it's basically just a bunch of video tutorials and yep. then they have practice tests. Um, but one of the things I noticed is towards the end of the course, there were some new videos that they had posted to as updates, basically yeah, right. things that changed, uh, things that they got from feedback from people who took Remote Pilot 101. And then they said they went and took the test and there were some questions that they felt weren't covered in the thing. And so they did update videos to bring, you know, to raise bring awareness. To speed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think that most of the people here at Flight Test used that one 
to the to the fullest extent. And actually, I didn't I didn't watch every video, but as what I did is just based on the practice tests and the quizzes that they have in there. Mm-hmm. I just brushed up on the stuff that clearly was not going well for me. Like for yeah. some reason I struggled right. with the weather section. Mm-hmm. And so I just, I went back and watched every single one of the weather videos. I didn't right. necessarily watch the whole course. So that's another thing is it's nicely labeled. So you can kind of jump around in the course yep. um, based on uh, what your, you know, your level of knowledge is on a different topic. So. Right. Exactly. Um, and then another one that we just kind of randomly found, um, there's a YouTube channel. It's a photography channel. Um, it's called Tony and Chelsea Northrop. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Tony there did a nice like little hour long, two hour long yeah, uh, two you- hours. YouTube video uh, where basically he just kind of does like just kind of the minimum where he just kind of goes over the test, what his experience was. He goes over kind of the core subject matters and just mm-hmm. talks about the things that you have to know. Right. Um, I guess the way I would describe it is that the remote one-on-one course it was is great for knowledge. If you want to increase your knowledge and you want to you know be able to thoroughly pass the test, comprehensive. Yeah. I think that the Tony and Chelsea Northrup video was a nice brush up, mm-hmm. and so you could kind of like listen to that in its entirety and be like, okay, this is the part that I didn't really get. With you know, reading a METAR report or whatever the random stuff is that you got to know. Right. Um, and that, and then you can use a more thorough source to kind of follow up on that. Yeah, that's true. So, and the nice thing is, is that, you know, in order to pass this course, you know, other than paying for the test fee, you don't, you don't technically need to buy anything. You know, they're, you know, the right. information's out there. That's true. These are just a couple of the resources that we found that, um, if I could just recommend three things to do, to spend a couple hours on to pass it, that would, that would be my three. Yep. Um, so, uh, what else? Uh, oh yeah. One, one other stat I, I thought was kind of interesting was that for just the, general hobbyist consumer mm-hmm. um, for the amount of people that have signed up to the FAA website. It's 770,000 people that have signed up through that. So we have, we're coming up on a million drone enthusiasts, RC pilot enthusiasts um, that have registered, that have registered in the United States. Um, so that's kind of an interesting number. I don't yeah, know yeah. really what to take away from that other yeah. than the fact it's interesting. Yeah. Pretty cool. I mean, it's, it's sometimes it's tough to, especially like where we are in Ohio, it's tough to, so tough to find people who are hobbyists. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you, you can go to the the flying fields and stuff like that. But even then, sometimes those are, I mean, we go to Hawks all the time and I think mm-hmm. they have like 40 or 50 members, but very rarely do we even ever see anybody there. So yeah. getting close to a million, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. That's definitely a lot of people. So anyway, we don't want to ramble on too much about the legality of stuff, but if you, you know, if this made you feel a little bit better or if you have more questions, you know, leave us a comment below on the kind of the legal side of uh, participating in our hobby I, really, the goal with this segment was just to impart to people that it's not that complicated. Yeah. yeah. And that whether you want to fly as a hobbyist, it's not that complicated. If you want to fly professionally as a drone pilot, it actually used to be pretty complicated because things were changing all the time. Right. But it really seems like the FAA have settled in on this 107 test and also seems like they're going to be building upon it mm-hmm. with more certifications. Yeah. Um, so I guess that's the takeaway is yeah. that it's not that complicated. Um, if you have somebody, you know, that's in the hobby, one thing that we've been he- we've been hearing is that people that are getting started in the hobby some of this legal stuff has been a deterrent yeah, and right. people have been like, man, I'd love to have a drone, but I don't want to mess with like the FAA and like mess with like airspace and try to figure that stuff out. And I get that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, if this would be an encouragement to send this to somebody that you might think might be getting into the hobby and it would just be helpful for them to kind of listen through it. Um, I'd encourage you guys to do that. Um, yeah, It takes, it takes the fear out of it. It takes, gives some informative tips on what to look for, what you need to do, stay in legal, yada, yada, yada. Um, to just kind of get through it and, you know, make everything feel like, okay, now I can go and do this. I can go fly. I can, I can make money if I need to, I can go fly with my friends 
and there's all the worries behind you, mm-hmm. you know, and you can move forward into it, the actual hobby. And it just removes, it. it just removes all the mystery around it. Yep. And also it, it, it opens up a lot of new opportunity too, because like, say you have a house and you, it just happens to be in class C airspace, but you have a couple acres and plenty of space to fly. You can apply to get a waiver mm-hmm. and then it will actually, if you're 107 certified, you can get permission to fly in that area. Um, <clears throat> speaking of which, I mean, we here at the shop, we're technically in class C airspace. And uh, we we applied for a waiver, and it was pretty straightforward. And now, you know, we can fly, no problem. So yeah. TJ was uh, fantastic. He applied for the waiver. Uh, they gave us a, a situation where we got a, a piece of paper back that, that said where we could fly, gave us a little square or so of, of where we're yeah. legal to fly. And that's another thing is that, uh, you know, if you happen to go through the Part 107 course material or if you happen to take it, um, that's one thing that you'll learn is that there's a lot of sandbox type things, you know, to play in regarding mm-hmm. airspace and that, that sort of thing. But sure. everything is waverable. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have a situation that you would like to fly in, but it, by the book, you're not supposed to fly in that situation, you can submit, you know, to the FA for a waiver. And um, we found them to be pretty cooperative. Yeah. So it's it's awesome. And I think it's, I think you need to, they, they say that you need 90 days before the date of when you want to fly. Um, in when the waiver is issued to you, I think it lasts 60 or 90 days uh, of some sort. Maybe it's, maybe it's a little bit longer than I'm not hundred percent sure on that. Um, but it, it varies. It, yeah, it, it, it is a specific time frame, and you have to reapply for another waiver, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Kind of like the, kind of like the, how you have to re-up on your, uh, your every two years. It's, it's the same kind of thing. Um, so, uh, Austin, thanks for, for delving into that for us and, yeah, uh, making it, making it simple and easy to, to understand. Um, but also if you have any other, uh, comments or questions, uh, leave them in the comments below. Uh, let us know if you've taken it, let us know what you felt was good or bad about the, the test, how, what you thought could be better or, or worse. Um, and, uh, we can kind of go from there. Uh, and, and moving out of the kind of the informative stage, I guess you would call it of this podcast, um, is something that, uh, we're really excited about. I know, Josh has been talking about it a lot. We've all kind of been chattering about it uh, in the last couple of weeks or so. Um, but this, uh, the guys that you're watching on and the women that are watching on YouTube, um, you can see there's a box in front of me uh, right here. Uh, this is actually a little special thing. Uh, we're going to be selling the Spartan Quad on the store, uh, which is from uh, Stone, Blue Stone Blue Airlines, right? Spartan 210. Spartan 210. Uh I've actually had the pleasure of flying one of these, and I have to say that they are fantastic. It's a beastly little frame. For our uh, audio-only listeners, we'll do a little unboxing. Ready? That'll be completely unhelpful to them. Ready? <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but if you're watching on YouTube, uh, you can switch back to this tab. Yes, and this is a um, custom-made box uh, by Josh Bixler himself, actually, <laughs> which is really cool. Custom-made, uh, signed by the team. Which is really, which is really neat. Little, little team photo in there. Yeah, so there's then, a hero card, so you open up the box, and it's got the hero card with the gremlin in front you open that up and then uh underneath that when you pull the next tab there is the spartan quad there uh revealed for you um with a little uh uh usb stick as it were a little key what's on that um, what's on the usb stick? uh that's a great question i if i'm not mistaken i think it's a video of the flight yeah we should back up here a second um yeah probably for, for those of yeah. you guys who are <laughs> familiar with our store um, we, we have an online store, obviously we sell all of our, uh, 
designed airplane kits that Josh has always made. And uh, we sell, we've always sold a various assortment of multi-rotor parts. But one thing that we've recently started, thanks to TJ, right. um, is we're starting to do ready-to-fly quads, uh, pre-built here at the shop by TJ and his team. Um, and the Spartan is our first step at moving forward with right. that. So we decided to partner with uh, Stone Blue Airlines because we're always, we've always loved working with them, Jeremiah and the guys down there. Um, but also this is just an amazing frame. Yeah. yeah. Super simplistic, four millimeter carbon fiber main plate. Um, it's it's a it's a beast. I mean, it's yeah. literally a rock. You can't though. In the one episode when we were flying the quads through the hoop, through the hoop yeah. Stefan, like you crashed, it broke a prop or something, and yeah. you spun towards the ground, and the arm literally stuck in the ground like a like a ninja star. Yeah, like three <laughs> inches. It went all the way in up until the actual frame. The full arm was submerged into the ground. But <laughs> the funny. whole the whole idea behind behind the this uh, quad shop we haven't, we haven't come up with a name. If you guys have a good name for uh our, our quad department the quad yeah. builders team of america um <laughs> we, let, we seriously below. need some suggestions though yeah, yeah seriously. <laughs> let us know in the comments but the whole idea behind it is we want to build quads uh for you we want to we want to build the quad that you want right. um so there are some other sites out there that offer ready to fly builds um but typically it's like a very specific build or it's somebody like a, a pro pilot's like their setup mm-hmm. uh we want to offer a service for people who want a custom setup built to their liking so with this spartan and like I said, eventually we'll have more frames, but with the Spartan to begin with, um, we're offering as many different components as possible. So different types of motors, uh, different types of ESC, flight controller, et cetera. Right. And um, we just we just hit the ground running with it, and we plan on growing the catalog even more. So there's going to be even more options on the store. Uh, but it's something we're super excited about because I know uh, personally me – I am not to begin with. I'm, I've never really been a huge builder. I've built dozens and dozens of quads, but it's not something that I'm really passionate about. I, I gear more towards just the flying, and also I have a, a, a wife and kid. I have a very busy life that normally when I do have time to hobby, um, typically I want to spend it flying. Right. Um, and now I know there's other people who really take pride in, in building, and I totally understand that too. And for those, we're always going to have the DIY kits available and the individual components, but for the people who are looking for more of a flying experience rather than a building experience, uh, we're hoping to provide that through our store. So if, if you're interested in something like that, uh, check it out. Both TJ and Ian, uh, they've been killing it making all these quads and we're, mm-hmm. we're super proud of them. So, Yeah, something we've always tried to do with like our multi-rotor department or whatever category in our store um, is like the number one question that we get, especially from people that are new that want to build their own race quad or their own you know, freestyle quad or whatever is, you know, is what's compatible, what works with what, and Mm -hmm. what do I need to get this going? That's like the number one question. And so for all of our frame listings is what we've always tried to do is say, here's, you know, X, Y, and Z options for these different things on this quad, and these will all work together. And so that's, you know, we're going to continue to do that. Just now there's going to be an option. There's a checkbox option that says, I want Flightist to build this for me. Mm -hmm. And so I think that'll be for some people, and I think it won't be for others. But I'm excited to see what happens. And basically that 150 bucks, you know, it's uh, you get get in a cool box, cool delivery. um, And you also get, uh, that that, that's basically the quad built. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's the labor to build the quad. Um, that's tuning. Um, mm-hmm. That's also uh, test flying. Mm-hmm. Um, you get your quad. So it's it's really it's a completely built, ready to go uh, quad. Which you know they're, um, they're that, that appeals to some people. You know yeah. some mm-hmm. people don't want to be you know tinkering. Some people want to make sure it works. And so 
um, that's going to be available uh, right. for people now. So anyway, yeah, if that's something that interests you, that's going to be actually, if it's on the store already, it'll be really, really soon. Also, we're working hard by we, I mean, TJ, um, <laughs> they are working hard to get more different multi-rotor products on the store, specifically like frames. Uh, we know that people like Shen drones, X hover, um, a lot of these other companies have some amazing frames out there right. and we want to carry as much of them as possible. But if you guys have a favorite frame or a frame that you'd like to see on the flight test or or just individual components um, if there's components out there that are hard to find or you know not a lot of people sell them let us know down in the comments what you'd like to see in the store because that would yep. be a huge help to us yeah we always want to stay current we always want to know what you guys want to see not only on podcasts and episodes but you know what you are willing to um, buy it not or not buy or what you would um, like to see in the store at all times uh, those are going to be uh, big things we own and we always look at those comments uh, it's one of my main jobs that I actually get to do on a regular basis so um, thank you for uh, for keeping me uh, keep me employed really appreciate that <laughs> it's all well, good we're like 30 minutes do you want to get to some questions let's uh, let's just go straight into some questions all right uh, we always love to do uh, some some little Q&A's can I read the um, first question yes you can <laughs> uh, Rick said is anyone in the flight test crew FAA part 107 certified um <laughs> <laughs> Um, he says, if you're promoting or promoting or furthering a business with RC aircraft, then you need it. Correct. And uh, the answer is yes. And yes, it's correct. Uh, <laughs> if you listen to the beginning of this, that's kind then of you funny. are correct. I that actually put through. that in there because I knew what we were talking about <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> just nice. to be funny and be ironic. But yes, correct, Rick. It uh, we well, most of us here at the shop have it. Um, and yes, you do need to be current with that so that you can enjoy the business side of life uh, when it comes to that stuff. So if you're a hobbyist. Who, uh, who wants to read it? How, uh, we'll go back and forth. Yeah, oh, sorry. Well, here we are. Uh, Second one out. <laughs> uh, Dale and Debbie Neely, are you going to have a live feed link like you did at Flight Fest East? We want to follow you guys out west, but we here out east know really how to do a great party out east. <laughs> live man's great times. Um, nice. I, w- I would imagine, yes, we will be doing the typical uh, Facebook Live uh, probably more than anything. I don't. I don't know if anybody even uses Periscope anymore, but maybe we'll do some Periscope. But I would keep an eye on Facebook, and you can actually set up your notifications. Mm-hmm. Um, so Facebook will notify you when we go live, so you can watch it live rather than having to watch the uh, rerun. Maybe something else we should play with is doing our very first ever uh, YouTube live. Oh yeah, Ooh, that might be fun. That's a great idea. I think that'd be a good good opportunity for the first one. Yeah, because I've heard it's really awesome. We've never used it, but I've heard it's really awesome. Yes, I think we should play with it. I think so, too. And uh, another thing, too, is um, potentially uh, live streaming these podcasts in the future. Mm -hmm. I think it's something we've been we've been talking about. it. I think it's something. uh, Let us know in the comments if that's something you'd like to see. For sure. What would be the benefit of live, of live streaming the podcast? You could do live Q&As. Ooh. Which we have tried to do. We need to figure that out a little bit better. But uh, that will be happening in the future at some point in time. Let's mess with it. All right. Next one, Austin. Uh, next one is, uh, how did you mount the camera on the tail of the warplanes? I think that means the MiG-3. Mm-hmm. Yes, correct. Uh, love MiG-3. that video in uh, the dogfights with the ribbons also. That's actually, from Rich. Actually, I believe Chad Lewis, mm-hmm. uh, he designed a, an, a nice little 3D shelf. 
um, that just kind of, we did use a little bit of hot glue, but it, it basically was a little shelf for the camera that just clipped right a on there. 3D printed little clip yeah. type thing. I, uh, the I don't know. Maybe we should have Chad post that on Thingiverse. We can post it in the show notes. That could be. We'll, we'll check with Chad and uh, we'll put some links down below. It's pretty happens. straightforward. If it was me, I'd just hot glue it right on there. That's I hot glue those cameras everywhere. Yeah. So normally See, works I think well. it's cool because we can say links below and Stefan has to do it. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's 100% true. I literally have to go back through this podcast and find all the links and put them below. If you guys want to see a link to a picture of my face, check Down the links below. below. <laughs> there might be one. We'll see what happens. <laughs> so thanks so much for your questions. We really appreciate it. Uh, we always try to get to those in every podcast, either the beginning or the end. Uh, thanks for your comments as well. Uh, we always want to see and hear what you want to see on the podcast. Um, also, our episodes, anything of our content. Also, um, can we... <laughs> Yes, we can. Stefan. Actually, <laughs> something I think that people should leave in the comments is uh, if you have a guest that you'd like to see on the show, we've been thinking about yes. playing with that a little bit. Right. If you guys uh, think of a guest outside of the realm of flight test or um, just anybody in the flight test community you'd like to see interviewed, drop us a comment. Yeah, we've been wanting to do a lot of that more of that lately. So, um, Austin, thanks so much. Alex, thanks so much for, for being on the podcast. Really appreciate it. Um, and we will uh, make sure that you guys subscribe um, or hit that notification button so you can hear uh, and see what's coming up in the future for all our content. Um, and thanks so much for you guys for watching. So we'll see you guys next time. Catch you guys next time. See you guys.